0: morning Kirby how you doing good good let me let me every once in a while you just have so much praise built up in you you just have to voice it to the body and so just just hang with me for a quick second because I just got to voice some praise to you Um, Coming in today, I hear just a couple of salvation experiences where parents are coming up to me saying, Tommy, my son gave his heart to the Lord, he gave his heart to the Lord, I'm like, yes. And then I walk into another room and they're like, my grandmother just got saved. And I'm like, yes, and I walk into another room and they're like, you know, my my grandfather that passed away, you know, you've been praying and our church has been praying. Well, I, I heard that he gave his heart to the Lord before he died and that just changed everything. And so, isn't that beautiful? Can we give the Lord a hand, you guys? Just, I mean, God is to be praised and that's wonderful. And I love that. I wish I could hear those, those stories every day of my life. And I, I just went to Nashville to teach some youth ministry courses. And I came, and when I was down there, I just got back yesterday and when I was down there. Um, you familiar with John, Wa- John Weaver inside Afghanistan? Um, if you're not familiar, um, Pastor Mike and Miss Terry ministered at a church in North Carolina before they came to Kirby. And, and John Weaver is a free will Baptist missionary in Iraq, or I'm sorry, in Afghanistan at the time of, of 9-11. He was the last evangelical missionary uh, in that in that country, he said, "I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm not going anywhere." And he was actually under the ministry of, of Pastor Mike in North Carolina. Well when I was down in Nashville, they said, do you know John Weaver came out with another book? I said, no. They said, well, it's not out yet, but here's the pre-release copy. And there are chapters about Pastor Mike and Miss Terry in that book. And I'm like, man, Lord, it's just cool how you guys, some of you are teaching Sunday school. Some of you are teaching life groups. Some of you are, are just attending and you've been here for a long time. Maybe you just started, but you're really fired up for the Lord and, and you're giving it. You're really, you're doing your best for the Lord and you're witnessing to people. And there's just no telling what's going to happen because of that. I mean, really, just know that you, if you gave your heart to Christ today, if, th- if this is your day, from now on, there's no telling what's, what God's going to do with that. The sin that you're able to overcome, the sin that you're struggling with that now is a burden, and once you overcome it, if it's, if it's always that struggle for the rest of your life, God's going to get glory through that. And I mean, all of us could, could give stories like that. And I was just so excited. And Pastor Mike would be so embarrassed if he were here. And it just fits that he's not here. And I get to lift that up because uh, it's not out yet, but I'm gonna put it on his desk and I'm gonna say, read this book. It should be good. And he's gonna be reading and be like, what? You know, so anyway, I'm just thrilled about him and Miss Terry's ministry before and then that we're blessed to have them here. And I, I love all of that. So anyway, I'm excited to be a Christian this morning. Amen um psalm 103 if you can um actually not turn there (laughs) turn to Luke chapter 15 um (laughs) turn to Luke 15 if you want to stick your bulletin in psalm 103 we're in this series on the psalms and today I want to set out to encourage you with the word of God today is geared toward and I'm just going to just put it out there it's geared toward all of you who may feel like the passion you once had for God you you feel like it's just growing a little cold it's starting to to just leak out of your spirit and you're just losing it a little bit. I want you to come home today. That's just the bottom line truth. I want you to embrace truth and maybe for the first time in your life today that that you get to embrace truth and you're gonna be saved. And if that's your story, man, I I praise the Lord for it. This is gonna be challenging. This isn't gonna be just the easiest thing to receive. May not be easy for you as an individual or easy for us, but let's make a deal together and just set out to see lives changed beginning with yours and beginning with mine. Can we do that? Can you receive that? Wonderful. Well, um, we're going to study Psalm 103, but we're going to study it through the lens of Luke 15. Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. How many of you just just by showing of hands have, have heard a sermon preached before on the prodigal son? Right? Yeah. yeah. Great. Wonderful. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's a common story, right? Because this is the most famous and familiar homecoming story probably in the Bible. And I, and the reason I ask you to raise your hands is because most, most all of us are f- f- familiar with at least a part of it. And I want you to just not let the familiarity of it fool you, not let just the, the commonplace of it fool you because for many of you, this will seem like an autobiography to you because this is your story. Like the story in Luke 15 is, is your story and it leads us to Psalm 103. And the reason it is and the reason we're taking that route is because this is where God wants to lead you. So you have gotta hang tight with me. You gotta, you gotta give it, you know, give it your very best in attention span and your spirit with the Lord because even though it's familiar, God's gonna do something great with it. And so I just wanna pray over you that you can receive this and then we'll just dig right in, all right? Jesus, Lord, I, I praise you for for a lead pastor, God, that um, that we just believe in. A lead pastor, Lord, who follows you, who stays close to you, who's teachable, who loves his family enough to, to take some vacation Sundays, God, to, to go visit them. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Don and, and God, just the testimony he has and his love and care and for just our church people. They are tremendous. I love this church, Lord. You could have placed me and my wife and my family anywhere, but you chose to put us here and I rejoice in that because of, uh, of just what you're gonna do through through experiences like today. So Father, may you just continue to, to, to just mold us and make us exactly who you want us to be. Shape our family, shape our lives so that more can be saved and so that we can grow in depth with you. And it's your holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Luke 15. Um, Luke 15, we're gonna start in verses 11 and 12. This familiar story, and sometimes it's good familiar, you know, to hear familiar stories. Sometimes it's, it's a little bad. I've heard the younger brother in this passage explained out like, like he is just in the incarnate evil. Like he is Satan himself, and this is the Antichrist, you know, pretty much because of the way he treats his father, the way he treats, and you know, and... I, I don't know, it, was, it, it just never has hit me right until I've started studying it more and more in depth the more I get to study this passage that I realize it was really customary for, um, for it to go this way. So I wanna read a couple verses and then just kind of walk us through it if we can. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 and 12 starts off like this. And he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his prop- property between them. What I didn't get is that for a family, of a two-child family, the older son, it was customary, the older son gets two-thirds of the inheritance. If there's two of them, he gets two-thirds. The younger son gets one-third of the estate. And so in this passage, the younger son isn't asking for something odd. He's just asking at an odd time. He says, I want what's coming to me, but I just, I just want it now. And maybe he was arrogant, maybe he was impatient, but it's not like he was evil. And I, I mean, we just condemn the prodigal son so much. We condemn these characters in the Bible, but... But I point that out to you saying that many, many of you have drifted from God and it's not because you're evil. You didn't wake up one day and just say, you know what, I'm just done with the Lord. It's not like you're evil through and through. You are a sinner. He's a sinner, right? He's not a mistaker, he's a sinner, he, he sins. And, and so it's the same way in this passage as it is in your life. So I don't want you just to condemn him and write him off and just he's evil, you know, white hat, black cat. It's not that kind of story. It's not like that in real life for the most part either. It's not like that in, for you and me. But, um, but the scariest thing about it to me, just these first two verses, is that the father gave him the inheritance. That's kind of the scariest part to me is that he did exactly what he wanted. He gives him the inheritance. And it's, it's a little scary because, you know, when you wanna go your own way and when you wanna do your own thing apart from what God wants and you start flirting with sin and you start experimenting with things that are gonna have the potential to just, to just ruin your life, what's scary to me is that God oftentimes is just gonna let you have your way. And that's scary to me because I know how warped and twisted this, this guy is right here. And I think, man, Lord, I don't want you to turn it over to me. I want, I want to stay close to you. you know, I want to stay tender to, to what you're saying to me. And so the father in this story doesn't argue with the boy. He, he doesn't debate with him. He doesn't rise up against him. He gives him exactly what he wants, when he wants it. And I'll tell you, many of us may be distant from God today. God's given you exactly what you've asked for. That's why you're distant from him. He's he's turned it over to you. He's allowed you to go your own way, and, and his voice has just become very very rare to you. And again, it's not like you're evil. It's not like you have a terrible heart. But you're 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 testing your independence, and I mean, even parents. These aren't just teen. Teen messages here. This is like for parents and grandparents here. You're, you're testing independence like we do. And eventually, that independence becomes this deep loneliness because God's let you go. He's let you go your own way and let you do exactly what you wanted. So that's why this passage can change your life. We're not dealing with, oh, he's, he's way past me. He's way evil. No, no, no. This is an autobiography for, for most of us, for all of us, really. So that, that's the passage we, we're meeting here. So that's why it can change your life. Uh, verse 13, let's just keep walking through it. Verse 13, let's keep reading. Uh, says... Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. I'm sorry, I skipped verse 13, I'm sorry. Not many days later, the younger, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country and there he squandered property in reckless living. He got everything. He got everything together and he just took off to a distant country, had no idea that it was about to ruin his life, had no idea that he was gonna mess up everything that he was shooting for, everything that he, that he had. And he found himself at the bottom of the food chain. You know the story. And at this point, he just set off in the wrong direction. That's all he had done at this point in the story. And I bet if you, if you just brought it down to the bare minimum today, if you just hollowed it out this morning, you could pinpoint the time where you set off in the wrong direction. If, if, you're, if this is meeting you at a place where you're not close to God today, you could pinpoint it down to, to that, that ultimate destination that you didn't mean to go to. But that decision that you made initially if, if it was, you know, advice from somebody, if it was just, you know, just something that you just wanted to do so you're being selfish, you can pinpoint it down to that moment where all you did was set out in the wrong direction. That was it. At Bible college, we had chapel speakers. I mean, every, every day, Monday, uh, Tuesday through Friday, we had chapel speakers. And, and one old chapel speaker said, and I wrote down my Bible in, in, in college, and he said this and it just changed my life. He said, sin will always take you farther than you've wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay and it will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. And most of us have heard that, right? But it just hit me in college in a big way because I've seen so many people even now ruin their lives just because they set off in the wrong direction. They weren't evil. They didn't do just horrible things. They just set off in the, in the wrong direction, in a bad direction, and it was so hard for them to recoup from that and to correct that later. Sin will always take you farther than you ever wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay and it'll cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. So if there's a young girl here, if there's a teenage girl who, who's had sex with her boyfriend because he's convinced her that he really loved her, but she didn't know she was just gonna feel this wave after wave after wave of guilt and that afterwards her heart was gonna be tied to this, this, this loser who just wanted her for her body and she can't break up with him now because she's just convinced that she needs him, why? Because sin will always take you farther than you want to go. It'll, all, it, it'll always just keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. That's what it, that's what it is. And that's, what it, that's teen culture, but that's all of our culture. That, that's American culture. That's, that's humanity. That's us. That's where sin, that's what it does to us. And so my question is, can you pinpoint the time in your life when you just set off in the wrong direction, the person you listened to that you shouldn't have, the, the decision that you made ignoring the Holy Spirit that was prompting you, that was dealing with you, where you just ignored that and you just, you just went your own way? This young dude in this passage is about to to locate himself way outside the protection of the Lord simply because he set out with the wrong direction. And so let's let's just keep going. We're just gonna keep dissecting. Verse 14 says, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in, what you guys, need. He began to be in need. There's three phrases I want you to think about that maybe where you are. I mean, some of you are, are in here have spent everything on your own. And now now you're finally ready to look to God for your source, right? Because now you're all out of your resources. And that's where this guy is. You've tried to do it all on your own. And I've been here, I've done this, I do this. I try to do it all on my own and I realize how weak I am, how, how insignificant my efforts are, you know? And then you give it to the Lord and it, and it changes. And so here, here this guy finds himself in that position and so have you and, and check this out. The story reads like it happened overnight, it reads like it just, it, it just happened. It doesn't all happen overnight. You, you never drift from God in a day, right? You don't do that. Nobody wakes up one morning and just thinks, this would be the perfect week to just start destroying my life. That would be sweet. Let's do that today. No, you don't wake up and you say, this would be the best day ever to drift from the creator of the universe. Let's do that. Nobody does that. Nobody. We don't do that. This young guy didn't decide to ruin his life. You know, it's rarely a, a blowout. It's a slow leak, most of the time for us. You don't just wake up one morning and have an affair. You don't just wake up one morning and think, it's been two years since I've read my Bible. It's been, I don't even know my children. I, you don't do that. Nobody leaves the house like that when they're gonna go to work tomorrow. Nobody does that. And this young man, he had it made in the house. He had it made at home. He, he had servants drawing his bath, ironing his underwear. I mean, he had all kinds of great stuff in this house. And, and there came a point after he just left that where he began to be in need. He was struggling and he was in need. And I really think, as uncharacteristic as it is for me to relate this to you, I mean, just because I just don't say stuff like this usually, it's just true. That I do pray that God heals our economy. I I pray that often. I, I don't pray it every day, but I pray it often. I pray it all the time. But more than that, I pray for God. More than I pray for God to heal our economy, I'm praying that God heals us. And the truth, and please don't be offended at this, But if God has to take us through a famine to heal us and bring us back to him, then then I'm praying for it, you know? You bring a famine in my family. You let us struggle. Let us feel that. Let us feel that pinch, let us do that. And this young man spent years in a distant land spending and spending, but one day it ended and the same thing has happened for some of you today. You've tried every other way to fulfill your life. You've tried every other way. You've tried different jobs, you've tried different things. It's not the money thing, it's not the fulfillment thing, it's not the girl, it's not the man, it's it's not the job. It's not that, you've tried every other thing, but you're at a point today where you feel like you've got to come to Jesus. I just feel like I've got to do it. He's the only thing left. You ever tried to meet legitimate needs in an illegitimate way? You know how twisted that is? Like how you feel during that time where you try to meet a legitimate need, but you meet it in in an illegitimate way. It's like drinking salt water, right? You just never fill up. I mean, you don't fill up. It's just, you could drink the whole ocean. It's not gonna do anything for you. You're not gonna fill up. And so you set out on your own. You're thinking that you know better than the creator of the universe. However, that works in our warped minds and mine too, where your life should look like you know, what I should do and you try that for a little while but, but here's the thing that we just, we don't talk about much is that there's this grace period between sin, when we sin, and our punishment. There's this grace period um, in the middle of it called pleasure, right? I mean, it, for the vast majority of our sins and, you know, in between that and our punishment, there's this pleasure. So when we start setting off in our own direction, I'd imagine that this guy truly did live it up for a while. I would think this young guy just lived it up and the reason I say that Is because your life isn't in just because your life isn't in shambles yet, doesn't mean you're going the right direction, right? I mean, that doesn't mean you got it all together. Just because, I mean, you may have it going on right now. You may have you know your money and you may be secure and you may, you know, be popular in your schools, you may, you may feel all this stuff more than anyone else, but but maybe you're just in the beginning of this. It doesn't mean you're going in the right direction. And I and I love that because it means that you don't have to hit rock bottom to come back to Christ. That's what that means. And I know I'm a cup half full kind of guy, I know that, and the youth staff make fun of me for that, and I'm cool with that, that's fine. But you don't have to hit rock bottom before you turn to Jesus, and that's great that you don't have to do that. And so you don't have to wait until it all falls apart to turn to the one that loves you, you don't have to wait on that. You can turn to him today, wherever that meets you, in your popularity, in your struggles, in the midst of it. And so I want you to watch how bad it gets for this young guy and how bad it can get for some of you. I mean, this is your story. No peace, no passion, and I know something's wrong. He's raised up in this palace, but he, you know, he's with the pigs at this point. He's just struggling and it's like, what have I done with my life? So verse 15 just continues it for us. It says so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and sent him into his fields to feed pigs. That's a bad job, dude. That's bad sent him into his field to feed pigs. But it was a bad job, especially if you were a Jew. Why? Because Jews weren't allowed to eat pigs. They weren't even allowed to touch them. And this young guy's feeding animals that his people considered unclean. I mean, there, there, there comes a point and you're drifting from God that you, you just hit a point that you never thought you would be. You know, if you ever been there? You just, you're at a point and you think, I never thought I would be here. Sure, I mean, other people may get a divorce, but that's not going to be me. But here you sit and you're debating it. You've talked about it. You're thinking about it a lot. Sure, other people are going to have affairs. That's, that's, that, I know that happens in the world, but that's not me. But here you are and you flirted. And, and here you are, there hasn't been physical action, but there has been emotional attachment. Here you sit and you think, this is much closer to home than I would ever have thought. I've drifted and it didn't happen overnight, but you know, everybody else's kids are going to run wild. Not my kids, but here you are. You haven't led your family and kids, kids have free will so it's not always because of the parenting but, but your kids have run wild when you thought it was outside of your family but it's inside your family and it could be because we haven't led our family. We haven't opened the Bible with them. We haven't prayed with them. We haven't, we haven't shared truth with them and so when it's not part of us, how can we expect it to be part of them? And so we've drifted. You know? And here's my object, objective today and this is just it. So if you can just look at me this is the biggest point I wanna get across to you. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, you need to know this. You are better than what you've become. You are just better than what you've become. If, if you find yourself in that and you're like, this is my story, I'm in the middle of it, I'm at the end of it, truth be known, I'm at the beginning of it, I, I, this is me. I'm telling you, you are better than what you've become. You're not, you don't need to be in it for feeding pigs. You know, you're not meant to be feeding pigs. You're not meant to give your body away. You know, young girls, hold your head up and be pure, you're a child of God, put some clothes on, you're better than that, right? I mean, you're better than that. Young guys, you're better than the perverted talk that you talk like in the locker room. You're better than that. That's not what life's meant to be lived like. You're not supposed to be slopping around with the pigs. Who told you to roll in mud like that? Nobody, no, nothing came from scripture like that. Why do you believe that? Why do you live like that? You're better than that. Verse 17 can be the words of your life. And I, I love this, just the very first part of verse 17. It says, but when he came to himself. I really like that. I really like that. When he came to himself. I've been praying for you. Here, here it is. Transparency from your youth pastor. Um, I had a whole different message. I know if I got four pages, I got a sermon that, that's going to fill up the time. If I got six pages, I know Rita's going to hate me for the rest of the day. If I got any more than that, then it's time to just stop it. You know, just sit down. I'm not preaching that day. And so last night. I'm watching Mississippi State get whipped by Alabama, and that breaks my heart. But anyway, I'm watching that, and uh, I really expected them not to. That's the funny part. I really did. I was like, they're going to win. I know it. And then I'm watching, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's not going to happen. But I'm sitting there, and I'm, sermon's done. I mean, sermon's done. I got my four pages. I'm ready to go. But... God's leading me in a totally different direction. And so I'm up till 4 a.m. with 16 pages, people. Four pages, Rita would kill me if I went five and a half. I've got like 16 pages. And so I'm like, okay, you got to work this down, Lord. You got to do this. Because I've been praying for these people. And I had this all tight in this nice little box. But, but I love that I'm, I'm trying to stay close enough that I can listen to his direction. And if he says, move this way, then I'll move. If he says, move that way, then I'll... So anyway, long story short, this is what I've been praying for you. In the middle of the night, literally. For you that are coming here today, I've been geared up for today, and you may, you may, you may you know, come in, in your sweater vest looking all perfect, but I, I know where you're at, and I know where I'm at, and I know where the body of Christ is. I understand that, and so some of us have drifted away, and you may look together, but you're not together, and I've been praying for you that you don't try to put on that show, that you would just come to your senses. That very first part of that verse, when he came to himself, I want you to come to yourself. I want you to come to your senses. You don't have to be that way. You don't have to act like that. You don't have to struggle in all the ways you struggle with. That doesn't have to be you. Come to your senses. I prayed, literally, that you would just look around and say, I'm not supposed to be here in this situation. I'm not supposed to be like this. This isn't me. I'm not supposed to to have a a dead spiritual life. You know, Dad, that you don't have to be a spiritually dead leader for your family. That you haven't picked up your Bible in three years and prayed with your family. You got to know today that you are better than that. You're not slopping around with pigs. You're better than all of that. Come to your senses. The King James Version gives the feeling in the passage that the boy realized that there's more in me that's around me. I, I like that thought. There's more There's more that's in me. There's more potential. There's more to me than what's coming out of me right now. And some of you feel that way. You're like, I don't want to sin like this. I don't want to live like this. I didn't sign up for that. And, and this boy, that's his story. And I've come to... To say to every single one of you today, if you've drifted away, if you're just hollowed out to the Lord, if that's where you're at, you are better than that. And he has more for you than that. His power can handle your situation. You're better than your pride. You're better than your addiction. You're better than than all that. The unlimited God is in control. And he wants to be in control of you. That's it. That's what God wants for you. You know, here I am starving to death. With, with these servants in my house are, are better off than I am. I'm starving to death, slopping around with these pigs and they're better off than me. So this young man comes to his senses in verse 17 and it says, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I'm perishing in hunger. I'm over here with the pigs and, and I had it so much better at the house. What am I doing? I know I'm better than that. This isn't me. What, what am I doing with my life? And so this young man, he's starting to understand Just what what he needs for his life. He's starting to understand where he needs to go. And I want you to understand that when Christ died to purchase you, this is good news for you, he purchased all of you. Not, Not just for a season, not just for a time, not just when you were younger. He purchased all of you. He died so that all grace could abound in you. All of it. Like just wrap you up, cover you up in it. You don't have to live with shackles on. You can walk in purity. You can have a prayer life. You can you can do all those things. You can live with freedom. And in this passage, this is the gospel. I mean, this is the mighty power of our Savior to overtake sin with mercy and grace and hope. That's the message. That's the gospel. And so the boy finds himself in this passage just, and it really it applies to me over and over again that we've drifted, all of us, like sheep, we're going astray, right? All of us, that's, that's our story. So this boy decides to prepare this speech. Right, He wants to gain the acceptance of his father. He says, you know, I'm better than that. That's not going to be me. I'm going to go right back to my father and I'm going to eat crow and I'm going to do that. and I'm, I'm going to prepare this speech to say, just accept me back. And so he recites this speech in verses 18 and 19. And he says, I'll arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He says, I'm going to confess everything. I'm going to lay it all down. I'm going to confess it. And he's going to have not only just confess it here, but he says, I'm gonna have action behind my confession, right? First John nine. you know what that says? First John 1.9, I mean, it's, it's a pillar of scripture that we use in, in church. It says if we confess our sins, confess he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know this? If we confess it, it begins with that confession. So the young man comes clean with God and the first step he takes is the same thing that our, our first step should be. Father, I've sinned. I, I'm, I'm justifying it and no one else is calling me out because of my sin, because they're sinning with the same thing, they're struggling with it, or I'm not being transparent with them. You know, we're all struggling, I've fallen short of my potential in you, short of your potential, Not not just who you think you could be, but what God thinks you could be. You've fallen short of that potential. Where you just say, I'm not worthy to be your servant, Lord. I'm I'm just not worthy. I I wonder how many of you are just rehearsing a homecoming speech. Like you've waited forever to give your life to Christ or to to grow in depth or to be that mom, to be that dad. You've waited forever because you're rehearsing a speech to him. Like one day I'm going to have it perfect. One day after this and this and this, I'm going to have this thing together. And then I'm going to bring it to him. How many of us live life like that? We're rehearsing a speech that ought not to be made. God, if you, then I'll. I promise to when you all of that, like that is just the speech that we do and it's interesting because this young guy is rehearsing this and he gets up and he goes to the father and this is the point where you know more than you know that Jesus could have completely flipped the script because of the audience he was speaking to. He could have flipped everything. Like the, the story that you and I know is not the story that was expected because what you need to know in this culture, there was this high level of respect for authority, especially parental authority and all the parents said, Amen. <laughs> but in this, in this culture, the common gesture for a son who wanted to talk to his father was that he would make the move to his father, and the father would remain motionless toward his son. The son, to give complete respect to the father, would approach him fully, and then the father would acknowledge him. That was the kind of respect that they had for, for authority, but especially their parents. And this was especially true if the son had done a disservice or had disrespected the parent. And he was coming to ask forgiveness. It, it was especially true in that moment that the parent would remain motionless and still. And that son would approach him fully and come right to him. So this young man sets off for home, probably a long journey for this boy. You know, and for us today, the forgiveness process between you and the Lord may be immediate, but the restoration process may take a long time, right? There may be consequences you have to go through. There may be some some just issues you have to deal with. This wasn't a 30-minute walk for this boy to get home. I mean, he had some issues to go through, and so he sets off to go home to his father. And the Bible turns this thing completely upside down because remember what was appropriate for the father. Remember, what what was appropriate, what, what his entire audience expected to be said. All the parents were like, yes, this is right. This boy is gonna do exactly what was said. But in verse 20, in verse 20 in Luke 15, this, this is just where Jesus just flips everything. He says, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And Jesus' audience was mind-numbingly surprised. They were like, what did you just say? The father did, the father did nothing wrong. What, the father, it was the boy. The boy should have come. You ever been to Caribou Coffee? Y'all ever been there? When we first moved here, we went to uh, Caribou Coffee just with some of the you know, young families. We would go, and do. they have this sweet little deal up in there. I mean, like this big playground. It's just really, really cool. And I remember one of the first times we went was when it was uh, Anna Claire, and she was up there, and she'd been brave. She climbed to the top, but she was up there, and we were all, all the parents were down there just chilling out, and she said, uh, Daddy, Daddy, I, I scared. I scared she's banging on the little glass y'all know the little bubble glass with you know like face all imprinted like fog you know daddy I scared I scared so I'm thinking all right I'm, I'm pastor at this new church or I'm the new pastor at this church and so I gotta you know I gotta be pastoral and I'm like what did you say, thou I don't know you know no it wasn't like that but but I'm like I'm like what'd you say baby what'd you say come on down girl come on down come on you can get down daddy I scared daddy I scared And so I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, come down this slide. You know, I'm in the slide. Hello, hello, hello. You know that, you know that, parents, you know? And I'm just, come on down, down, down. And she's just, daddy, I'm scared, I'm scared. And then all the other little kids are sliding down. She's scared, she's scared. I'm telling you, she ain't coming down. She's scared, snots all over, you know, all this stuff. She's just chilling up there. And so anyway, I'm like, I'm gonna have to climb up in this thing and get Anna Claire. I just know it. So I start making my way up this net. And I'm thinking, this is not right. She should come down to me. And I'm crawling up in this thing. This, and I'm, I'm five foot 11. I'm five foot. Oh, and I, I mean, I, I'm a big dude and I'm crawling up in there just shimmying my way through and somebody's passed gas and I'm smelling it and there's just, there's, there's boogers on the wall and it's nasty. And I'm like, man, Anna Claire, come on. And I was just so like, what? I'm about to climb up in this kitty playground. This isn't the way it's supposed to go. It's not supposed to happen like this. She's supposed to come to me and I'm climbing looking foolish coming to her. And if you want to know the truth, God doesn't have to come to you. Do you know that? He doesn't have to come to you. He's not really even supposed to work that way. You sinned. I sinned. We did the thing. We 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 messed it up. He doesn't have to come to you, but he does. He does. He runs to you. He comes to you. And this is inappropriate for, for who he is. This is God Almighty I'm talking. I'm talking little me and God Almighty. It's, it is totally appropriate for me to ask forgiveness all day long and for him to say no. That's appropriate because I'm not worthy of it. But even more for him to forgive me, ah! Oh, even more for him to come running to forgive me, excited about me, waking up every morning and saying, Tommy, spend time with me, talk to me, read the Bible, talk to me, pray for, pray for your kids, lift them up, lift your church up, minister to people, talk to me, have this relationship that he runs to me like that is mind boggling to his to his congregation that he was speaking to and to, to this congregation, to me. It's mind boggling, I don't get it. And so I wanna encourage you and just congratulate some of you that at least you came to church today. Some of you say, man, I'm, I'm running from him. And I'm saying at least you're tender enough to listen to God's word today. And you may not make it home today. Remember, he, his trip wasn't 30 minutes and he was just home. He had a long journey, a lot of issues, a lot of things to work through. And you may have the same thing. You may have some consequences to work through. But you're here, and I praise the Lord for that. You're here. This is a step, you know, that he comes to you. He comes to you, and that's just God's word. It's all throughout God's word. You may not make it home by sundown, but at least you're taking the first step in the right direction. And I praise the Lord for that. And so when you make the step in the right direction, you just got to understand God's going to come running after you. This father was, was undignified. This father was was just relentless about his son. And Jesus is described as being the same way. It says that he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, wrapping in flesh, laying his deity aside, dying a despicable death on a cross. For what? For you, for me, for our sins. He did that, God came to you, he ran to you, he embraced you, he forgave you, and he'll do it again today. The, The son began his little rehearsed speech, right? He began to rehearse this speech, ready to win back his father's favor. And in verse 21, he begins it and he says, uh, and the son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And so he's just going on and he's getting into this. I'm gonna make it up to you, dad. I'm gonna be different, dad. I'm I'm gonna be a changed guy. I'll just be your servant kind of speech. And the father interrupts him, just cuts him off and says in verses 22 through 24, he says, the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. I want to tell you something about the heart of God. This is just the heart of God at its purest. He has the heart of a father. And may, he, he may have all these reasons, the, the boy may have all these reasons about, why he can't come home, and you may have all the reasons why you can't accept him today, why you can't live a life after him. You may have all the reasons in the world, but, but it, it doesn't take a deep theological speech to bring it about. It doesn't take anything like that. It doesn't take a deep theological word from you to the Lord. The Lord knows who you are, and he will interrupt you all day long. Your speech that you're just waiting to make, I'll come to you when, I'll come to you if, I'll come to you one day, Lord, I'll be worthy, I'll be worthy, I'll be worthy. He has the heart of a father, and that's what he wants you to know. He says, and here's my, here's my deep theological talk for you. Just stop it and just come home. How about that? Just stop talking that. Just stop writing out your speech and just sit it down today. Put your pen down and just accept him. Just come to know the Lord. Just come and, and be a child of his. Just accept the sin that you are, the sinner that you are, the sinner that I am and say, I'm leaving it. I'm never gonna have this speech complete. I'm never gonna have all my questions answered. I'm never gonna be at a point where I can just be totally relying on him completely without sin, without fault. So he says, just stop talking it and come to me. He says, put a ring on this boy's finger. Put a robe on his back. We're gonna have a party. We're gonna celebrate this because my son was dead and he's come home and I don't care about anything else. So just drop it and just come on. Just come on. Stop explaining and just come home. You're never going to be able to explain it out to God. While we were yet sinners and far away and in that state, Christ died for us. We weren't perfect in that state. He died for us, righteous for unrighteous. Did you notice that the father didn't argue with the son about his sinful condition? I mean, he's like, father, I'm a sinner and I betrayed and I'm not worthy to be called your son. And the father's like, yep. Mm Mm-hmm, I know, I know. But nevertheless, I override what you've done. You're better than what you've become. You're so much better than that. And and not because of you, but because of me, I accept you back. You're still my son. You're still my daughter. Remember how I said at the beginning I wanted to study Psalm 103? Psalm 103 is the result, in a big way, of Luke chapter 15. It's the most selfless, praise-giving psalm I know. This psalm has not a selfish word in it. This psalm is not petitioning God for anything. He's not asking for a thing. He's just giving praise to, to the Lord over and over and in different ways and in different arms and in different links. He's just giving God praise and just lifting that, that worship up to him. And that's just it. That's the bottom line. It is in its purest form, it is worship. It is a thanksgiving psalm. And this is an appropriate time to even talk about it with the season that we're in. And so he says in Psalm 103, I, I want you to read all of it, but we just don't have time. Remember the, the Rita thing, you know, I respect Rita. Read is wonderful. Psalm 103, 10 through 13. Let me just read these three great verses to you. These are wonderful, you guys. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him says God sees you and you're far off today you're so far from him and he'll run towards you he doesn't want to excuse you he doesn't want your excuses the father didn't say just come on back and and I'll put you in timeout for three weeks no he says I'm going to restore you I'm going to give you an opportunity to come I'm going to bring the ring I'm going to bring the robe and put it on your back my son come home He's screaming it at me today. He woke me up in the middle of the night all over after I prepared a whole new message, just speaking it to me. I'm telling the senior high students, I'm growing closer to him because he's speaking this into my life and I want it for you. Ephesians 2.1 tells us that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You drifted, you were far from him, but you can come home to full restoration. Full, full restoration, broken people. If that's you, stop your speech preparation. And just come home, just come home. Can you just stand with me and let me pray over you?